Hi, this is Steve Wick, president of Drive Through RPG, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica discuss Game Master Burnout. In the news, this episode was recorded before the big announcements from PAX Unplugged, so look forward to those next week. However, this week we have a new D&D playtest packet released, Dungeons & Dragons stamps from the U.S. Postal Service in 2024, Baldur's Gate 3 gets a big update and more, plus a brand new sketch about deciding where to go among the wonders of all the planes. This week on Morrison's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Visit Wolfgang von Sprinkletoe's pyrotechnics for all your fireworks and other assorted fire-based entertainment devices. Choose from the world-famous Sprinkletoe's explosive badger, or from a wide range of rockets, blinkers, flares, mortars, bangers, squibs, comets, candles, shells, sparklers, flashes, bombs, busters, and glow sticks. I heartily recommend that you frequent this establishment, as Mr. Von Sprinkletoes owes me money after a rather large wager involving a garble toad and one of Mrs. Cockle's left-handed knee breeches. I'd very much like him to pay me back, but his business is not doing well after he accidentally blew up Lord Mucklejoy's privy on New Year's Eve. That stuff gets everywhere. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me, this week, is... BJ Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, Russ as ever. It is an absolute delight to be here. Here to talk some RPGs, tabletop RPGs, maybe computer RPGs. We don't know. We don't care. We're just going to talk about them anyway. And here joining us, coming, some say that she is the true ideas one behind EM Publishing. I don't know about that. I don't work for them. But all I can say is it. she's absolutely fantastic, absolutely fantabulous. It's the one! only it's it's me jessica from em publishing i feel like you gave me two weeks worth of hype there peter because i was missing last well, week also point of order who says that <laughs> I'm, a- <laughs> I'm actually i'm actually interesting i'm not the ideas person at em publishing i'm the person that makes ideas happen so i work with lots of wonderful creative people writers designers artists that create and the the things and i'm like okay can we organize all your very fun ideas into actually making a thing that people can have and i can send to them yeah but we survived okay. we survived for that you jess yep. we managed we got through we struggled on nothing caught fire excellent well many things caught fire yeah yeah but not 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 nothing important caught fire. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's the fire, yeah. okay fires were fires were suppressed properly okay how about mm. that that's fine. Right. It sounds like there's nothing I need to deal with or clean up, and that's the main thing I'm worried about. So I'm Absolutely. happy with that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm going to start the podcast now. Okay. Great. Are we going to talk about <laughs> tabletop RPG news? Not yes, we're going, make, we're, we're going to make that joke again. <laughs> 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 that we make every week. <laughs> yeah, we're nothing if not original. It's, I like to think it's comforting and familiarity. Fair enough, fair enough. It okay, let's start with the news. Yes. Let's start yes. with the news, and the news I would like to start with this week is stamps. Yes. Stamps? Stamps, stamps, stamps. Yes. Stamps. 
We are all familiar with stamps. Actually, maybe some people aren't. Those things that you place upon your letters, your envelopes. Oh, I don't okay. know if anyone's used a stamp or sent a letter like <laughs> in, in living memory, but I am. Um, I bought uh, Christmas cards just yesterday, ready to ah, there we go, ready to send mm. out. There we go. There we go. I, um, I I have used quite a lot of stamps, but they've been stamps as in to stamp a bit of printed ink onto something. No, so not that's that sort of my first. A postal stamp. A postal yeah. stamp. Uh, a way yes, of yes. marking that you have paid for the service to be provided and your piece of paper mm. or parcel to be transported from point A to point B. Yes. Mm. Well, if you are in that there America, mm-hmm. which we are not, no, mm. we're not. you can now get official D&D postage stamps. There are, in fact, ten of them. Each of them with a different picture on. One's got Drizzt, one's got a purple worm, I'm seeing. One's got like a maze, one's got a dragon on it. It's weird. Oh, got dragons on it. One's got Tiamat, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, there's ten of them. They say D&D and then USA Forever at the bottom, which... But Forever's crossed out, it looks like. It does? It does, actually. It does look like that, doesn't it? Yeah, huh. so I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means at all. But anyway... Um, you USA for now. Yeah. Um, on, ominous, yeah. ominous new D&D <laughs> campaign up coming along yeah. Yeah. But anyway you can, you can get 10 stamps if you, if, you, if you want a stamp and you want to send a thing you can get 10 stamps I imagine it's more for collectors isn't it That's yeah it's a United States Postal Service thing so it's yeah. it's coming next year in 2024 so it's not out yet but oh you can't get it yet no okay. no no they're Fair coming enough. out next year but there's yeah there's 10 D&D stamps which is a cool yeah. fun collaboration is that Fechner from the front of the DMG in the bottom right uh, that's the front of the DMG, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're nice, they're pretty stamps. I mean, those pictures we're looking at are, like, enlarged, very low-res versions of them, so yeah. you can't quite see but them as clearly. as aren't very large, generally, so... They aren't very large, generally. No, no. Mm. Uh, so I, I imagine it's not going to look too but that, that's cool. Mm. That would be, I'd be pleased if I got a letter from my... You know what I'd use that for? Because sometimes I do role-playing games, or in between LARPs, we send letters to each other in character, or, you know, you get mm. those role-playing games which you play by by letter writing so that'd be cool to send with one of those keep mm. it on brand yeah okay. no. that's assuming you were playing D&D if you're playing Pathfinder that would seem like kind of treacherous a treacherous no, thing to do I, well you yeah. know it's in the set it's a it's a it's a tabletop RPG the wrong brand want? name <laughs> I'm that's fine I don't mind <laughs> I, I mean that does seem to be a cause for concern for people nowadays uh, apparently Albers won't enjoy full official support or going forwards, does this mean owl bears are going extinct in Pathfinder? Well, I think it means it's a licensing issue, but it's a tabletop game. We're playing pretend you can have an owl bear if you want. It's just that they've decided <laughs> to divorce themselves from stuff that's identifiably D and D, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's not like they had to, but they've chosen to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, they read the writing on the wall, and the writing on the wall said "get out," so they did. <laughs> Sensible. Well, that reminds me. Yeah. Maybe next month in January, we should do an OGL Crisis one year on review to see what's happened. That's yeah, a good yeah, idea, yeah. actually. We should yeah. do that. I'm full of ideas today. Wow. Um, maybe you are the ideas person you know after all. I had, a, wow. I had a, I had a week. I had one week off, and uh, apparently and they say that. Back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had well two. I had two days off, and I'm rejuvenated and back. But anyway, what other news do we have beyond stamps? There's bigger D and D news. There is. There's more D and D news. There's quite a lot of D and D news actually. There is. There is. Um, we got playtest back in, and we've also got third party stuff on D and D Beyond. I don't know about the third party D and D Beyond stuff. If somebody oh, okay. would be willing to catch me up, I'd be very grateful. 
So, on D&D Beyond Now, there are now two third-party offerings you can get. And these are from Ghostfire Gaming and Dungeon Dudes. And the two products are Grim Hollow Lairs of Etharis from Ghostfire and Dungeon Dudes Dungeons of Drakenheim. So, Dungeon Dudes hit Kickstarter in 2021 um, with that product and made over a million. And they did that in conjunction with Ghostfire. So they were closely, they're closely linked companies. They work together quite a lot. But they've had, we've had like critical role stuff on D&D Beyond. And we've had like sort of licensed stuff like the Rick and Morty stuff, which was produced by Wizards, but under license. But I think this is the very first time there's a third party thing there that from someone that doesn't have a prior existing sort of really visible relationship with Wizards, like Critical Role has a really visible prior relationship with them. They've published books for them, mm. with them and things before. Yeah. But Ghostfire, as far as I'm aware, has not up until this moment. And so there, those two books are appearing. Intriguing. Well, they did say they wanted to make a um, mm. third-party marketplace. Yeah. Didn't they? And they are. So it looks like this is starting to happen. Ooh. I'm intrigued by this, what this means. Like, how how does a publisher get in touch to to arrange that like how you know well i think it requires a lot of work on the part of D beyond it does so yeah. i imagine they're going to be selective yeah about... a lot of coding and stuff mm. so i don't know is the answer to that question and i imagine like every third party publisher out there would love that yeah because it could be quite a quite a boost to sales i imagine yeah even if as yeah. i imagine there's some distributor agreement where you know wizards get x percentage of sales on whatever of course yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just the number of people playing on that. It's um that's yeah. interesting. I'm intrigued to see who else goes on there, who else is maybe invited as it would be, or if they have a process. Well, I would imagine something like that needs a lot of lead time. So if there are other people going on there in the next year or so, I bet they already know about it. Yeah, but they Or six months maybe. Six months they maybe. They probably can't announce yeah. it just yet because yeah, of yeah. legal reasons. Yeah, I mean they've certainly been doing stuff like what I would recognise as a manoeuvre save DC, so a fifth dead conversion of combat manoeuvres to D&D would certainly be something I wouldn't discount as being an option. Well, I'm not sure they're going to put different systems on there, in fairness, so I think... No, it, it, I'm not sure we'll see things like... It look very similar to... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Well, yeah, I'm not sure they'll put like level up advanced fifth edition or tales. No, of they're not going to put the black or... flag stuff there from Cobalt no, Press no, no, on no, there. No. That's so... probably wise then. Yeah, yeah, because they don't, don't want to have it... them compared to side by side. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's 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 a it's a, it's a different. It's compatible, but they're different systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, these anyway. two these two things are both. I know it's both kind of horror themed mm. products as well. They're both big hard covers. Yeah, obviously mm-hmm. on the indie on their digital, but. And one is like 20 um, sort of horror-themed adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the other is kind of like a, a cosmic horror campaign. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people really like horror in D&D. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it. It's not... D&D isn't the genre I'd use to play horror personally, but I know a lot of people do and find it works for them. For the mm. style of horror they want to play, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of... Wizards is trying to bring more people into the fold, as it were. Yeah. So they're looking at the Kickstarter charts and who's doing really well on Kickstarter and making 5e stuff and isn't directly competing with them. Mm. And is then bringing those people into the fold because obviously those people, because they're doing it on Kickstarter, they can't go on DM's Guild. Yeah. So that's not an option for them. So this is a way for them to bring non-DM's Guild people kind of into their ecosystem. And start, you know, making some of those, some some money off those millions of dollars of Kickstarter that's going on in Kickstarter that Wizards isn't seeing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe that was part of the intent with the OG. We'll talk about it more in January, but I think that was kind of the intent in January with the OGL thing. It's like you know, there's all these people doing stuff, and we needed a a piece of that. Yeah. So, yeah, but the, yeah. that approach in January obviously didn't go as planned. Um, but this yeah, is the same, general same, way. same goal, different method. Yeah, methodology. but this yeah, method yeah. doesn't feel you know as bad. So the current yeah. method looks like it's instead of the stick, they're going with the carrot. So they're yeah. trying to make it like people want to be on their platforms rather than exactly sort of forcing them via a license to do certain things. Yes, I I agree. I think that's I think that's the way they're doing it, and I think they've pretty much effectively made the OGL. Even though the OGL has not been rescinded mm. now, um, they've effectively sort of made it so nobody's really that bothered about using it anymore. Yeah. Um, so they have effectively like killed it, just not not legally. I mean, yeah. Like I would sticking that out in Creative Commons kind of did that. Yeah. The, the, the what's it? The OGL is no longer a load bearing structure. Mm. Like you cannot rely on us at all. Trying to put anything on it just seems like the worst idea. Yeah, but like they, I, might do it? It, I might do it for like a little throwaway document, but anything yeah. that, but I would have to be certain that I was never going to rely on that document for anything. But, I could just take it down. But, but that's mm. my point, Peter. They succeeded in that way, haven't they? Mm. So they wanted to kill it. Mm. Everyone turned around and said, "Don't kill it." Yeah. They haven't killed it, but effectively, just by what you just said, they have yeah. killed it because yeah. you are there saying, "I won't use it." Yeah. So you know, job done. Just with a PR win. Uh, I, don't I wouldn't describe that. it as a PR win, but right, anyway, yeah, salve, PR I think this is a conversation for January because I think the three of us yes. will have many, many thoughts, feelings, and uh, ideas about this. Yeah, subject. we'll do an so episode think... all about the OGL one year one. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, maybe we can yeah. get someone interesting to come on to talk to us about it. Yeah, are uh, there anyway. interesting people out there? Yes, it seems unlikely. Some of which, we, whom we know, even as, as interesting as us. Well, no. Unpossible. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Should we talk about the D&D playtest packet? Yes. Um, we can do. It's interesting. I'm not like super, super deep divey familiar with it, so um, I can only kind of talk about it on a surface level. That's uh, fine. We'll do, we'll do it as a news item instead of a deep dive, because in fairness, it yeah. is yeah. updates on the last bits and pieces. Yeah. So it's updates... three subclasses. Exactly. So, yeah. so updates yeah. on the Barbarian, yeah. Druid, and Monk, and then there's some spells, weapons, and feats in there. So yeah. it's not massive so we don't need to um i started typing up the notes because in the playtest packet they've got these little highlighted sections where mm. they've done the differences and i was going to copy and paste them and lay them all out for us so it's easy and i was halfway through doing it and the rest was like oh i've already done that it's on our <laughs> shared thing so i'm like oh excellent yeah. thank you but of course the full document is on um D beyond if anyone wants to yes to listen yeah so to basically this that. is a new playtest packet which updates the barbarian the druid and the um monk mm-hmm which were the three because I think um with their with their report a few weeks ago, they basically said most of the classes are pretty much locked now. Oh. Say tiny tweaks. But those three definitely needed a revisit because there were things that people were quite unhappy with about them. Yeah. So yeah. this is their attempt to have another crack at this one yeah. and see see if they see if they managed to fix it. Um so it's just those three classes and a, a subclass for each one and a few other assorted bits, but that's that's the main bulk of this packet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just my observations, like largely gleaned through chatting with people online and having a bit of a read myself. Really good that rages now can be regained on a short rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we all know, short rests can be in very short supply in some games, which means that if you happen to be one of the short rest classes, like say a fighter, a warlock, you're just worse. 
because you're not getting mm. your short rests in, which means your powers don't uh, regain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was it? You get all of them back on a long rest and one on a short rest. Now, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. One, one expended rage when you finish a short yeah. rest, which yeah. is you know that is an extra fifty percent rages. I go. Yeah. Three rages per day instead of the max two. So you that, get a rage. And you get a rage. Yay! Rage, rage, rage. Well, it's better. Yeah. It's better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, changes that. I mean, but the problem is like you have to look at this in context, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that they've been putting in is types of damage which aren't slashing, bludgeoning, or piercing. Mm. So as we all know, the key thing about a rage is it helps you resist half the damage from slashing, bludgeoning, yeah, or piercing. Yeah. So the reason why bear totem barbarians are just well loved is mm-hmm. because they're resistant to everything except for mm. psychic damage. So now it's like, well, you know, they're still there, so they're still going to be the subclass of choice. Yeah, I do. I still always find that yeah. two is still so powerful that the uh, the half damage, especially you get twice as many hit points. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. it's pretty interesting. Like from my experience. I played a fighter up to like level 13 or something with yeah. uh, Heavy Armor Master, which is damage reduction 3. Yeah. And I found that was saving my fighter the their, their own hit points again, just because mm. there's a lot of small packets of damage coming your way. Yeah. Obviously, you yeah. round down, but very few melee attacks, which is what I intended to encounter, did less than one damage, but I could mm. reduce, reduce, take three off it, which helped. Whereas, like, while Mario takes two damage, that's actually one damage, you know? So. Yeah. I felt sometimes I was actually doing better than the uh, equivalent barbarian. Which yeah, was yeah. Weird. When the barbarian is taking more, <laughs> when you're talking larger damage, which especially when you're at le- uh, level thirteen, it's not often something's doing one or two damage to you, is it? I think no, no. Fighters. Well, I mean, you do get like small, small packets. It tends to be like the big monsters don't just do and uh, have forty damage. They do like five attacks, each of which does like nine yeah, damage. Yeah, 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 fair. Yeah. I, I think fighters often get like talked down. People are like, "Oh, it's the most basic one. It's your first game. You're playing a human fighter." But I, I'm playing fighter for the first time, and yeah. I'm having a great time. I think I know, right? at, at higher levels, um, <laughs> yeah. there's some really cool stuff you can do. Like I haven't, I haven't looked into it, so I can't say how. But there's mm. some people that's like, oh yeah, when I get to this high level, like level ten or something, I figured out a way I can do like ten attacks a turn, and I'm like, mm-hmm. sir, that's too many. <laughs> um, yes. but Is it? But there, there's really no. I, I'm gonna actually try and make my character do that when I get as to long that as point. you're a character that resolves those attacks quickly. Yes. And you're not one of those people that take a minute per attack. Yes. And so everyone's sitting watching you for 10 minutes while you roll your attack. Yes, just roll your damage dice at the same time as you roll your attack dice. That, do that, and it's fine. You're that's good. that's any kind of... That's any yeah. character, I think. Uh, you know, being able to play your character and being prepared for your turn in a timely manner is just good table etiquette, uh, generally. Uh, oh, wizards! Yeah. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, this playtest packet isn't about fighters. We'll talk about a lot no, of no. fighters in a little it's time, not, perhaps. It's not, there's not even a mention of a fighter in this playtest. No. Well, because I think people were happy with it. But maybe we can do a Valentine's yeah. episode about our love for fighters in February. But barbarians, talking about yes. subclasses, you said that everyone everyone loves a bear, obviously, uh, in yes. and out of game. But Path of the World Tree, they did some updates on that subclass mm. for the barbarian. Do you yeah. have thoughts, yeah. feelings, ideas, or anything we would like to share with? The three of us, and indeed the world. Sure, I can't remember what it was before now. <laughs> so, well. When we last looked at it. So uh, that was the one where you could teleport about quite a bit, wasn't it? If uh, I recall. Is that correct? Like, at level six, they got a teleport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, is nice. I think there was a certain amount of nipping in and out. They, it was teleporting other people as well. So you could, like, yeah. yes. suck people over towards you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. been redesigned, that. It's called Travel Along the Tree. 
and it's been redesigned so you can teleport mm. yourself whilst your rage is active. Yeah, I mean, but but I feel we're skipping over the big ticket item, which is the temporary hit points. Yes, that mm. you gain equal to. I mean, equal to barbarian level, sure. But uh, at the start of each of your turns, while your rage is active, you can choose another creature within ten feet of yourself to gain temporary hit points. It's which really is nice. nice. It's like a little rally or something. It reminds me of that. Hmm. I I mean, it's like two d six temporary hit points. Yeah, and mm. that. Doesn't sound like a lot, but on the other hand, no. I can assure you, it is an absolute pile of temporary hit points. At, in a point in a battle, that stack, could though, that, that could make the difference yes. in a battle when you're near the end and everyone's can they like, stack? temporary hit points never stack. No, but no exactly. I was going to say no, they don't stack. The rules of the game. It's not, yeah, it's not broken, yeah. but it's nice. I I mean it. Uh, it does say you can choose another creature within ten feet of yourself. So I'm wondering, like, does that mean that you wouldn't be able to benefit from them because you've already gained? Like three temporary hit points or what have you. If it's just another creature, yeah, that's what it says. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, you can choose another creature. Yeah. So like I, uh, that seems like it excludes the barbarian. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I would read that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which yeah, it's it's interesting. Oh, of I like course, it. if you're two barbarian doing basketball trees, just doing it to each other, and that 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 would be just ludicrously OP and broken. Anyway, don't mind me. I'm sure a few people wouldn't for- possibly think to do a that. A forest of barbarians, as they would a be referred of to, as you say. Mm. Of the world. Yeah. yeah, I think Pass of the World Tree is interesting. I like the I like the idea of it from like a, a role play perspective as well, because I think it's an interesting kind of concept. Mm. And like functionally, with these the changes, like you say, with the hit points, and you know, also because with this class, you really, I mean, with any barbarian, you want to be raging. Yeah. And the fact that you can do it on a short are. rest means that you can be raging. Looks cool. I've not played a barbarian. Maybe I'll give it a try when I get an opportunity. Maybe you should. Maybe yeah. I, it, it, I think it, I that, could play a barbarian very well. I think I have the right temperament for it. Fair enough. They, 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 are, they are excellent fun. Can yeah. recommend. Yeah. I was going to say, and also you've got red hair, which is quite barbarian. I don't anymore. anymore. I know. No. no. It's going to be very confusing, so I'm not going to recognise you when we go to Dragon Meat tomorrow. I'll still be like, I'll be wearing the in-publishing t- t-shirt, so you'll, you'll know then. <laughs> She'll, she'll, be, she'll be the person glaring at you from a slightly below shoulder height. I'll be well. Well, as we mentioned, Dragon Meats another news item. Dragon Meats is in London. Uh, I was going to say tomorrow, but if you're listening to this today, uh, so December second, and Ian Publishing will be there on the stand, so you can pop by and say hi if you are also yes. there in London. But I will be very, very tired because we are not staying over at a hotel. We are driving up and down the same day. I'm getting up wow. really early to go, and so I'm going to be... And we have to get there before the show starts, because we have to get there, yeah, yeah. set up the staff. So I'm going to be tired and grumpy, so yeah. I will not be glaring at the rest of the morning, because I will not have the time. Okay. I will not right. have the time, or the energy, or the inclination. It'll be more a vibe of, like, oh, I don't care enough about you to be mad at you. So, oh, okay. indifference. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Which is worse than hate. Yeah, okay. Um... Unless the other person's indifferent to you, then everybody wins. Yes, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but I don't um, really have any more thoughts on Path of the World Tree. No, no. Um, yeah, like the using your action to summon you, summon a creature towards you, mm-hmm. sounds fun. Yeah. Oof, getting a bit of push or topple is fun. I mean, it's basically the I I am getting a lot of deja vu, like temporary hit points of barbarian. Knocking creatures around or reducing their speed, I'm like, okay, this this seems like things I have seen before. Admittedly, not in a D and D playtest, but anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's it's all right. Um, I like that they're expanding and trying new okay. things. If they're okay, 
We'll um, should we move on to the druid? Because uh, oh yes, that's we've got a bit to get through. So on the uh, druid, so wild shape is the main changes here. Mm-hmm. Never yeah. really changed much on the druid thing. No, because wild shape was quite. The, uh, yeah, it has gone back and forth quite a bit, hasn't it? There was that period when they went through the, they had the sort of four generic stat blocks for flyers, yeah. swimmers, or, or something. Land, uh, sea, sky. Land, sea, yeah. sky was it? Okay. Um, then they went back to using monsters out of the yeah. out of the monster manual. So what they, what they're doing now is uh, the druid now will now know more beast forms. Uh, the beast form no longer retains the druid species traits. You get temporary hit points. When you take the form, mm-hmm. and also the creature statistics, can't talk. The creature statistics section of the PHP will have more beast options than the previous PHP had. Yeah, I mean that does fix the. I mean, I say exploits, but like if you reach level twenty and you're an archdruid, then you, like in theory, had infinite hit points because you could just assume, like, just constantly be assuming beast shapes. Mm-hmm. Unless they were able to work through the beast shape and do you extra damage during your turn, you had a lot of hit points because you could just yeah. turn something massive every turn and then bomb for you. Unless, unless they one shotted you in between. I mean, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, it, I mean, uh, it, it can be done. It can be done. I, I, I mean, sure, sure. Like, yeah, it has a GM. Like, you can yeah, do yeah. what you like. Yeah. But it would be kind of obvious and you'd have to be quite unlucky. Uh, mm. Like I say, infinite wild shapes. Has a bonus action every turn. You're not going down unless you choose to. Hmm. Um, but that is no longer the case. No, no, no. Now they were. Well, yeah. I don't know about level twenty, but it's now it's temporary hit points equal to mm. druid level. Yes. So yeah. So twenty temporary hit points at yeah. level twenty, which is still yeah. like you know. It's nice. It's nice. nice. But, but, yeah. but, but you're like at level twenty, so it's like yeah. less less overwhelming. Yeah. Well, the other thing they've done is the Circle of the Moon class, mm. uh, subclass. Yeah. That's yeah. mostly wild shape stuff, though, all isn't it? That. Yeah, through, yeah, it is. That's what it's famously been all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a few spells that you can cast in wild shape form on which are always prepared. Yeah. Um, it's just a small handful of spells. Yeah, yeah. They're your circle spells, I think they're calling them now, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they're calling them circle spells. I mean, that's, that's kind of it, really, isn't it? They've like, made a couple of like streamlining tweaks, and you can do a bit of extra radiant damage with lunar form. But that's, they, haven't, they haven't done a massive amount apart from that. I, I mean, Lunar Form kicks in at level 14, so mm. unless there is a lot of improved support in the DMG for getting to such to a level, level 14. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I... I, I, I or, yeah. or adventures actually for that level. Oh, oh, interesting. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, they've done an adventure for level 17. 1 to 6, mm. skips level 17, why not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, Struggling to think of one to go, so um, hmm. you pass through it on the way with Circle of the Mad Mage. But yeah, is is is, it is what Dungeon it is. of the Mad Mage the only one that goes one to twenty? Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage does not go one to twenty. Dungeon of the Mad Mage goes not? five to twenty. Oh, five to twenty, sorry, five to twenty. Because Waterdeep mm-hmm. Dragon Heist goes one to five. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's supposed to be a lead in. But is that the only one though? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, when we say two twenty, the seventeen to twenty is all one. Mm. It's just one dungeon. Yeah. 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 Which which I was quite disappointed by, really, but I mean, it makes sense. Mm. The XP system isn't what it could be, and I, I'd have to look into it to make my own milestones, and that's mm. not where my focus is at the moment. Mm. Anyway, that's the, that's yeah. the druid. And then we've got the uh, monk. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Monk, monk, monk. And the, and the monks have the biggest change, set of changes. Monk the most weapons. changes, that is. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, last night's gone up. Maybe that was from the old playtest. I didn't see it. Well, they've lost. They've lost weapon mastery. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, martial arts dice up a bit. What else have we got? I mean, and applying to an arm strikes and monk weapons. What do, What does that mm. mean? Applies to martial arts applies to monk weapons. I'm gonna have to check that out. Look at you. What to use instead of monk? I mean, instead it, of the damage of the monk weapons. Oh, that's right. I found out. So they they apply you to an arm strikes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. monk weapons. I mean, traditionally, you'd use something like a quarterstaff, maybe, mm-hmm. or a short sword, because those were monk weapons. And that would give you the D6, and then you'd fall back down to the D4s. Mm. But here they're saying it's D6. So if you want to use, like, I don't know, a rice flail, the old nunchucks, and that's a D4, that would normally be a D4 weapon. Yeah, it's now a D6, yeah, precisely. Cool. Yeah. And based off finesse as well, which is... Well, there's a new 20th level capstone. Oh, yeah. Body and mind. That looks like the old, uh, that looks like the Barbarian's old capstone. What was the Barbarian's old capstone? I can't remember. Uh, that was strength and constitution increased okay. to a maximum of 26. And oh, I see. That's full okay. boost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And other than that, there's like a whole bunch of little changes there. Yeah. You know, little bits and pieces. Um, it's quite, it's quite a, quite an altered class, the monk there. I think that's the one they spent most, most of the effort changing there. I think a lot of people were unhappy with it in fairness, so I think there was a lot of feedback given, so I think they, yeah. Mm. I have, oh, okay. I've only played a monk once, and all mm. I did was pretty much just, like, flurry of blows constantly. So mm. I'm, I can see that increases the effects of it with heightened discipline, so I'm like, well, would you not just constantly do that? But maybe that's my lack of experience of playing a monk. Mm. Uh, where's heightened discipline, sorry? Oh, I missed that. It's a new feature that increases the effects of flurry of blows, patient defence, and step of the wind. Oh, cool. When does that kick in? Don't know. That I can't okay. tell you. Oh, Ooh. fair enough. Uh, <laughs> deflect yeah. energy. Do you remember deflect energy? It was one where you could bat back. Was that the one where you could bat back fireballs and stuff? Uh, oh, I it used to be deflect one. missiles. Well, the, well, deflect missiles is now deflect attacks because yeah. that has always been a traditional thing, which is great. I have picked up this subclass feature. But I'm sure I remember in the last... Oh, this class feature. No one ever packet. shoots anything at me ever. <laughs> I'm sure I remember in the last packet there was a deflecting um, fireballs back and stuff. <laughs> was, was that not the deflect energy? Uh, it also now works against melee attacks. Is that the, the yeah. new bit? Yeah. So if someone's hitting with an energy-based melee attack. Well, it says specifically bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing. So I'm saying no, no deflecting oh, fireballs. Oh, so energy is a... Um, yeah. uh, okay, fair no, enough. No longer on the cards for... For the main classes, maybe, maybe there's a subclass. Maybe I'm misremembering or imagining that. That does I'm sure sound fun, was. though. I'd love that if you could do that. It's kind of like an airbender-style thing. I'm sure there like... was. I'm sure I, there was. I would be 100% behind that. Yeah. Uh, so... You'd have to do it like with a, uh, a cricket bat or something and wait for the fireball to come in. And then... <laughs> I imagine <laughs> and then it being a more magic like process, like you just kind of slingshot it back, like you catch it in the magic and just scooch, swing it Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we've got airbending, we've got the Indian cricket team. Both of these are absolutely... The Indian cricket team. Yeah, oh, I and mean, he's got a cricket bat. Bonk. Well, it's not the English yeah. cricket thing now, is it, Jess? <laughs> Those guys yeah. aren't batting fireballs. Well, 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 the other fun. thing is um, the warrior of the hand subclass there. Ooh. So they've added, you know, open hand technique. They have yeah. added an option addle to prevent creatures from making opportunity attacks. Mm-hmm. And what else have they got? Quivering palm now lets you replace one of your attacks with the action to end the vibrations on the creature. I, I mean, that was just like. That's a level 17 feature that, mm. what's it do now? Con save throw, taking 10d12 force damage on a failed save, or half as much mm. as a successful one. Like I say, it's the, the chain of damage types is the thing, but yeah. Um, yeah. 
What did I see? Did I see something something strike? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. just a yeah, it's, it's, it's had quite a few changes. And then we've got a few spells that have had changes. And a few new ones. They mess around with the conjures. So yeah, that's the big thing, I think. Conjure animals, celestial elementals, fey, minor elementals, and woodland beings. From what I glance at them, they kind of all work a little bit more like they remind me of spiritual weapon rather than actual conjuration spells. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that spirit weapon comparison is very appetite. I guess that's sort of what they do now. One, hmm. one thing I saw that I liked is uh, basically all the healing's been bumped up pretty much. Oh, yeah. Cure wounds. Cure is... wounds, healing word. Cure mass wounds, mass healing. Yeah. Yeah, they've yeah, all they've been all... basically yeah. bumped up. Like, you know, mass cure wounds is uh, 5d8 instead of 3, and ma- uh, mass healing word is 2d4 d- instead of yeah, 1. Yeah, they've all kind of they've almost all... doubled, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, <laughs> which I'm like, Even... nice. I like that. I, I mean, regular healing word was pretty chunky already. Mm-hmm. Like, the. D4 plus your ability modifier has a bonus action within like 60 feet. That is now 2D4. Yes. Now 2D4 plus spell casting ability Mm. modifier. That is, wow. Please and thank you. Yeah, yeah. Healing. Yeah, I didn't really feel, I didn't really feel the lack of healing. And upcasting. Sorry, it's just like my, are are you seeing the same thing I am? Upcasting increases by 2D4 for each slot level. Good lord. <laughs> I mean, what, what's Cure Wounds on nowadays? Because yeah. Cure Wounds is what, 2d8? Yeah, 2d8. Do you know, oh. I like Cure it. Cure Wounds is 2d8, Because yeah. I played a, a druidy healer in a campaign, yeah. and sometimes you need to heal people because that's the thing that needs to happen. Mm. But when it's not yeah. a very big heal, it feels very unimpressive. I mean, you don't feel like a cool hero. So your turn's no. like, oh, here you go, have four hit points back. It's like, mm. thanks. Um, mm. Which whereas, is why yeah. Cure Wounds, uh, Healing Word was always so good, because it's like, I'm going to do a thing, and also you can have some hit points back. Yeah. As opposed to Cure Wounds, which is like, I use my great, what first level spell? Cure Wounds! And then somebody hits them with a sword, and they're like, oh, well. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but did, did you feel that the Wounds Cure spells were too weak before? Because well, I definitely did. I definitely had some... And this this was a campaign I was in like a year or two ago, so just this is from memory. There were sometimes when I did healing that I didn't feel like a cool hero, and that yeah. I was doing my thing for the table. And yeah. it was you a are point... a cool hero, Jessica. You are one. Yeah, yeah but the character has role Don't let anybody tell you you're not. I know I Jess am, but I wanted that for my character too. Yeah. Um, because in real life, when I cast cure wounds, it has like a ten d ten, so I do really well. Yeah. But my character didn't have that. <laughs> but no, and my my GM got around that because they gave me like magic items that gave me an extra way to heal and do stuff. So it's fine. Mm. But this, I think, it makes using your spell slot as a healer feel kind of cool. Mm. And I think you'd feel like powerful and important, which is I think it's all important. That's you know when we're playing D and D, that's what you're doing. You're playing like I'm a big warrior and I'm going in to kill the things and you know doing the stuff. Um, so yeah. I I'm kind of glad for that because I think that mm. would feel like you're making a big difference and you're doing a cool Fair thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. And if you up what? the healing, I oh. guess that means it allows the GM to give you more scary monsters as well that have cooler yeah, abilities. Yeah. It, it's the thing and super combat healing, mm-hmm. which is different mm. because before like the use case for cure wounds or healing word. Actually, it's either they've gone down, or you're casting it on the Barbarian. Because, of course, the Barbarian gets the double the effect. Mm-hmm. Barbarian doesn't need it. Well, the Barbarian doesn't need it anymore. <laughs> but, but, but yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got a healing word, you throw it on the Barbarian, Barbarian mm. increase, it increases their resource of hit points, which mm. is what they're essentially doing. They're doing reckless attack, trading hit points by making themselves more attractive targets to the monsters. Because that's just classic tanking, which is mm. be an attractive target, be able to survive the damage. I'm uh, sorry. I'll get on yeah. my hobby horse. Sure. 
Anyway, I think that is kind of the playtest packet there. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's out. Unless we've got some more thoughts on that. There was another little bit of D&D news I wanted to mention. Oh, what's yeah. your other bit of D&D news? There's an official D&D advent calendar. Okay. Oh. It's on the online one. So you go online each day and you click it. Okay. Yep. And you open up a thing. So I went and did today's one. Because it's the 1st of December today, yeah. Is it spoilers for me to say what it is? Or just let people do well, the it? Podcast well, if is- people to hear it, it won't, it won't be the first anymore, will it? So it's That's fine. Right. Okay. okay. So today's one, on the 1st, it was a discount, a 20% discount for a brand of D&D-themed coffee. Oh, there we go. A packet of. What flavour was it? Like Albert or? Oh, there was there was a whole bunch of different ones. Actually, I didn't look too closely because it was US only. So, I'm, I'm thinking Albert coffee. It's like civet coffee, but different. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> he just, I don't know how do you even do that. Just like pack pack a pack a pack a rabbit with a mm. a pile of coffee beans and then throw it into the Albert cake. Nice. <laughs> Would you not get a pellet? I don't know. I'm just asking the questions, you know. It's, that's intersecting yeah, yeah. my... T- I used to own a coffee shop. This is intersecting some of my interests. So, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is a thing. So, you know, it's on D&D Beyond. You can hop on over there each day, open up a thing, and you'll get a little digital gift of some kind. Cool. I imagine a lot of them will be discounts for partnered rewards, so... This is Baldur's Gate stuff. Do you want to talk about yes, that, Jess? Yes, yes, you're I the do. big Baldur's Gate yes. fan here. Yes, I do. And I was hoping you'd ask me about it, and I was so glad you did. Go on, then. So, Tell us I haven't... about the Baldur's Gate thing. So, everyone knows I'm obsessed with Baldur's Gate. I've had my first playthrough uh, that I've done, and I'm doing a live stream play every Wednesday online with some uh, friends as well, so I'm playing through it again. And in my free time, I also have my own game. But that's neither here nor there. Patch 5 is live. And this... Um, so, Larian Studios are crushing it with game development, because Patch 5 is basically fixed a whole load of annoying issues that I had and given me more content. So one of the things in... I'm just doing the little things first. Uh, so in Patch 5, one of the annoying things is when the rest of your team is back at camp, you can't get stuff out of the inventory easily and it's annoying. But they've changed that, so now you can. So, oh, I left mm-hmm. this quest item with my friend Astarian who's back at camp pouting. You can quickly get that now, which is very, very good. Um, they have also changed the game mechanically for new, two new play modes. So before we had three, mm-hmm. you had you know, Exploration... Um, yeah. the normal one, I can't remember what it's called Explorer. now. Explorer. Explorer, and then Tactician Mode. Oh. And now they have one called Honor Mode, which is hardcore. And I'm playing in Tactician oh. Mode at the moment, and I have died a few it's, times, but I'm, it's going... It's are, these, are, these difficult, are these difficulty levels? Yeah. Yes, and Honor yeah, Mode, okay. it cranks up the challenges in and out of combat. It disables mm. the ability to save scum. Uh, so save that's, scumming for those unfamiliar being where you save before you roll. And just save, just keep saving and reloading when it didn't go your way. Yes, mm-hmm. and also it's. But got, how does it know that you're about to roll? Because uh, you can't load a save to avoid a bad dice roll. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also has permadeath. So they sound like they've renamed Iron Man, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So pretty much they call it hardcore, which is very cool. And um, when you die in that, it does give does give you a little like stats thing, so you can share it, showing oh. how far you got and what you did, and did it. So that sounds very cool. Mm, yeah. And if you do manage to beat the hardcore honor mode, you get a golden d twenty that you can use in your other games, like a digital one, obviously, mm. which is quite cool. Uh, and then they also have a custom mode, which you can customize all the difficulty setting in different categories, which is very cool. So that's like your enemy aggression, how powerful your character is. Your proficiency bonus stats, what those are. So I'll be customising it to easy, 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 easy. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can allow or disallow enemy critical They've hit. already got that. It's storyteller mode. 
But you can do it even more. So you can um, you can do full heals on a short rest. So you can completely customize and change the rules to what you want it to be, which I think is really cool. Mm. And the bit I am most excited for is so I've played through the end of the game. I'm not giving any spoilers, so I'm going to be talking about this generically. So the game ends, and you do get like cutscenes with stuff happens to you in your party, depending on the choices you've made and the arc your characters have had. But it does feel a little like you just sit and watch it, and it feels like it's over a bit quick. And loads of people saying, oh, I'd love to have another camp scene where you could walk around and chat to different characters and like have a kind of final party, like we did it, we did the thing. Um, and, and Lauren went, all right, here you go. And so they made that. So after you've finished the game, done the thing, mm-hmm. you uh, they do a little camp scene where you have like a little after party and it's meant to be set six months after you've done the thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so you can walk around and talk to the companions. And obviously that'll be different for everybody because depending on which companions may or may not be there, what states they're in, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very different. But I think that's really nice, because I did feel like when I finished the game, it just kind of ended, and it was like, you're done. And I was like, oh. But like I feel... Because you know sometimes when you end a D&D campaign and you want to have like a little campfire session and talk about the game, I feel like you almost want that with this game, and now you have it, and I'm very excited for that. Um, so I'm going to download it and go back to my original game and see. But I don't think I will be able to actually because of the choices I made in mine. So you have to do it all over again. Well, maybe slight spoiler. My character ended up killing herself at the end for a reason, so my character wouldn't be there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I had to make choices. Um, so, but yeah, I'm excited about that. And it's a big old game. They recommend having 130 gigabytes of free disk space before installing. So it's a big, but it's got look, yeah. But I, I'm loving this. I, I'm still loving Baldur's Gate. I'm really happy with it. Um, good, and that's my feedback. Good, <laughs> marvelous, nice. marvelous. It really feels like they're listening marvelous. to issues and stuff people want and doing it, which is mm. nice. Listening to issues and fixing them because that's yeah. that's what you can ask, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that sounds very responsive. Yeah, um, yeah. good. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I'm really excited for that, and I have only had the chance to play Baldur's Gate on this Wednesday so I'm hoping this weekend after Dragon Meat on Sunday maybe that's what I do with my day yeah but that's all my Baldur's Gate 3 news I'm I'm still loving Baldur's Gate 3 I think it's really great and I'm, I think it might be a gateway for a lot of people into tabletop RPG into the hobby because I think a lot of people are playing this game just from a digital I kind of wish we had some way of like Wizards of the Coast definitely will have some way of measuring that well they've announced that 1.3 million players have completed the game yeah, but you don't know how many of them then filter through to the tabletop. And I bet Wizards yeah. knows um, in some way, or has some idea. Yeah, they'd have. Maybe they'll talk about it. But we, we would, we'll probably never know. I yeah. don't know. Well, they might make that public information. I don't know. But I think you know things like the D and D movie, things like Baldur's Gate Three have the opportunity. Is an opportunity to be a gateway drug, if you, you will. I think they should do. Lovely. If you finish the game, you should get this end screen that gives you a discount code for the player's handbook. Yeah. But you have to finish the game to get it. In honour mode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't know. But it's, yeah, I, I, I just wonder, because I think if you've never played D&D and you have played a Baldur's Gate 3, it will be a little bit familiar. There'll be some reference points. Even just the concept of I roll a d20 to find out if yeah. that goes well for me. Yeah. Like you if you've never played an RPG, yeah. this is going to be, you know, a little bridge of, you know, a little taste of it. So, yeah, interesting. Ooh. And then you can open them up to so many more possibilities with tabletop RPGs. Yeah. Well, I imagine that a lot of people have played video game RPGs, and a lot of them yeah. have that sort. 
Um, they're not D&D necessarily, but yeah. the, the concept is something they a presumably... A lot of people have played video game, role-playing games, mm-hmm. and a lot of them then come and would like a similar experience uh, mm. with tabletop RPGs. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should <laughs> well, no, I mean, there is a difference. So I know what you're talking about, and you can't expect yeah. the same experience because they will be different. So if you're expecting it to just mm. be the same, then you will be disappointed. So Roll20, as I imagine you are both familiar with Roll20, the mm-hmm. most popular, I think, virtual tabletop platform mm-hmm. out yes. there, I have announced yeah. a big overhaul called Jumpgate. Jump Roll gate. twenty and jump gate, which is a major, major reworking of the virtual tabletop. Um, new user interface, redesigns, a faster, more modern experience, or you know, completely a completely modern overhaul of Roll twenty. Basically, wow. is something they've uh, they've announced. So it's going to be really interesting to. I mean, there's a uh, there's videos of it, and you can, you can read a bit more on on the web about it. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that because I myself kind of like bounced off Roll twenty a bit. Just because mm. I find find it a little a little unintuitive and, and fiddly to use mm-hmm. in the back end, and this could be the thing that brings me back. Maybe, yeah, maybe, who um, knows? Maybe, like I've certainly found it has changed quite a bit because I haven't because I was running some one shots the other day. Mm. So yeah, I guess I I, I mean I've, I've played around a bit with some of the new changes, and it is easier to use. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of competition, hasn't it? There's like 30 odd virtual tabletops out there now. Oh, yeah. at least. Some of which yeah. are a lot more modern and yeah. sort of pretty and flashy looking than that. Oh, absolutely. Like, Foundry is always going to, like, I don't I don't see Roll20 out doing Foundry in terms of technical things, but. Yeah, and just general prettiness, yeah. Yeah, but um, in terms of ease of use, have you managed to make Foundry work for you yet? I've never tried it. Oh, okay. I downloaded. I downloaded it. I think. I think I did sort of try to boost something up once, but uh, I've never tried to run a game with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've also downloaded it. Yeah, Hmm. no, absolutely. As a player experience, it does look really swish. As a GM experience, it's like I've tried tutorial. I've tried loading it up and having a fiddle. It's not. It's not worked for me. (laughs) Yeah. No, I haven't tried that. From what I've heard, there is a learning curve. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've only experienced it as a player, and it's. Oh, I like worked, it now. I, I'm, I'm all over Albert Rogio these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, that's a very Albert simple. Rogio. That's just about as simple yeah. as you get. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes for me, that's all I want from a virtual yeah. tabletop platform is just like a map to do combat, and yeah. the rest we can do. Yeah. Talking on, exactly. on, uh, on Zoom or whatever. Exactly. Video platform of your choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's um, always a valid, good way yeah. to go about it. Right. All right. Uh, with the news, I think we're kind of almost there. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ended at 1.3 million, by the way. Nice. They, oh, they did the, did yeah. the million. Nice. I thought they would. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think Russ is missing like one of the biggest news items of the week. So, oh, okay. go on. Yeah, I, I mean, an entirely new company, Speaks and Spells Publishing, has produced a new archetype and magic item compendium for the Artificer. It's called the Arcane Exterminator. Mm-hmm. And if you have some sort of... Oh, it's the of, Ghostbusters one. I was gonna, I was working my way to making a Hoogie oh, Girl cool joke. and uh, like a spoiler. I know. Right? Doing the joke. Yeah, I'm but sorry. no, it's totally Ghostbusters. I, 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 I love it. It's amazing. So if you want to do Ghostbusters as an artificer, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, steampunk, uh, the zeitgeist setting, it's just going to slot right in there. Mm. Very, very nice. I mean, it'll work with, like, uh, original Fifth Dead Artificer as well, but like, yeah. I think it's going to be really, 
really fun you, with the um yeah you want to you want to pop this in your zeitgeist game don't you really that's that's where this oh, would sit exactly i mean and that artwork inside mm, yeah, if you want to play a ghostbusters campaign i suppose you could have one of them you could have a cleric as well because they're quite good against undead what else would you have oh maybe a paladin i'm a part of vibes don't go wrong oh you got a bar for the theme song yeah, oh, yeah. what sort of Ghostbusters campaign doesn't have a theme exactly. song? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seven seems like an obvious choice. Um, mm-hmm. do, do a bit of the old thinking. Yeah, right. yep. Investigation. Yeah, like, maybe throw a wizard in there because why not? Yeah, always are. Yeah. Okay. What's well, so any more news? I don't. Uh, I'm out. I don't have any news. We're coming into in the month case. of December now, where the news will slow down because everybody wanted yeah. to get their things out for Christmas. Buying stuff, so you need it out now. Yes, and all the done. all the news articles all across the web will be gift guides. Speaking yeah, yeah. of which, um, next yes. week we're going to do a little chat on little gift ideas for your group and things. So mm. we'll come back to that. That's a great week. idea. Yeah. Huh. Welcome aboard, my humble webjammer. This fine ship will take you to anywhere in the multiverse. Where will it be, brave travellers? Oh my, it is a fine ship indeed, Captain. So we can visit anywhere. Anywhere indeed. The whole of the planar cosmology is yours to explore. Just say the word. Well, well, can it take us as far as, uh, say, little Botherington upon Badger? <laughs> my dear wizard, I see you misunderstand. This is a webjammer. A plane-striding ship designed to explore the very realms of existence. So it can't take us to little Botherington upon Badger? No, no, I mean, yes, it can take you to uh, little Botherington upon Badger, but it can do so much more than travel two miles up the road. Well, yeah, it's just that I have an appointment with an alchemist there, so... An appointment with the... My dear friends, this whipship can take you anywhere in the multiverse. Such as little Botherington upon Badger. Look, I can take you to such wondrous planes. What about Objectio? Well, all the objects are people. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about that. All of them. All of them. So even, like, you know, hairbrushes? Especially hairbrushes. Oh, no, no, that won't do. Uh... Where else can we go? Oh, well, um, there's the dreaming. The wild homeland of fame you shall never see. Oh, beauty and whimsy. I mean, I mean, it's all very nice, but... Uh... But what? It's a place of such wonder and magic. The very trees themselves are alive! Oh, ooh, trees are alive, mate. Oh, you know what I mean. They walk and they talk. Oh, like the hairbrushes? Yes. Uh, I mean, no, not like the hairbrushes. I know, you're a hardy-looking sort. How about Valhall, a plain of warriors and taverns, where heroes are from? Oh, that does sound interesting. Or Koskuna, where colours themselves have power. Colours have power? Whatever do you mean? Yeah, I mean, come on, that makes no sense. The bars of Koskuna. Wield artistry the way others wield song, imbuing their very works themselves with magic. You mean they cast spells by doing a painting? 
I mean, that's a little simplistic, but... In the middle of a battle. So, so what do they do? They just whip out an easel in a canvas. <laughs> Fine. How about something a bit more dangerous? Oh, I, I do like danger. Yeah, nothing like a bit of danger to spice up the day. What? There's Lethal Lexor, where terrifying zenits prey on those foolish enough who step foot there. Oh, well, maybe not that dangerous. Well, how dangerous would you like it? Oh, perhaps a mild peril. Mild peril? Well, I suppose Nolda, the pit, home to fiendish legions and malevolent devils, isn't on the menu then. Oh, no, 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 far too perilous. Or Zyklion, where the terrible winds and tornadoes threaten to tear you apart. Oh, no, a, a, a bit less peril, please. You are a demanding pair, I'll give you that. Very well. How about Ambitio? A beautiful place. A long dead since the Kalkoi made it their kingdom. And the Kalkoi being... Wasp-like humanoids who prey on gods and devour mortal brains. Uh, hard pass. <laughs> Let's just uh, dial down the peril to a kind of... Um... Uh, non-peril. Non-peril. Yes, non-peril. But you just said that you like a bit of danger. Oh, yes, but only the uh, non-perilous danger. Non-perilous danger. Yes, danger, but not perilous. Okay, okay. How about the celestial rest on Siliona? Oh, Siliona being a peaceful, heavenly place with all the boring angels. Yes, the celestial rest is an inn known across the multiverse. It is not cheap, but it is utterly lovely. Um... Maybe... Maybe what? Just you know, a bit more peril than that. A bit more. Right, right. So, grading from non-peril, how much peril exactly would you like? Well, like a, a, a teensy bit of peril. Yeah, just a, a bit of peril, but, you know, not, not too much peril. A dash. <laughs> a sprinkle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Look, how about I let you browse the catalogue and you and choose a place. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's see, okay. Uh, what, what do we have here? Ooh, Aquestio, Endless Water. Hmm, Impresmada, where surreal ideas become reality. Dunisia, an endless desert. Uh, Vescrolo, home of the animal folk. <sighs> Plantasia, where visitors change into plant life. Uh, Fiona, the uh, fungal realm. Oh, ha- hang on, what's this place? Ooh, ooh, that looks ideal. Just the right amount of peril. Oh, it's perfect. Let's go. Finally. Very well, brave Plains Rider. What is our destiny? I am breathless with anticipation to see which wonders you have chosen. What magnificent world we shall explore! Oh, well, you know, there were a lot to select from, but, uh, I think you'll love our choice. Set course, Captain, for Little Botherington upon Badger. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it.
Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So our topic this week is going to be a GM burnout. Mm-hmm. I have experienced this before. Uh, have you? Have you, Peter? Uh, yes, definitely. But just as yet has not. Well, no. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking about it as a topic. We, there was, well, there's an article on the site kind of roughly talking about this by Charles Dunwoody on EM World. But because I'm just starting as a GM, I've mostly done like one shots and things. So you don't really get burnt out for that. But I am planning on going up a level in my GM thing and doing some little short campaigns, you know, next year. But obviously, I think this applies more to maybe long-term campaigns or the expectation yes, that you're yeah. constantly running. So I wanted to talk to you about that and mm-hmm. get some advice about how I cannot do that because I tend to get over-enthusiastic, get very involved in things and then get burnt out from things very easily. That is a pattern in my life for work and hobbies. So <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> yeah. would imagine it manifests in different people differently. Yeah. So I can tell you how it manifests in me and that might be different to how it manifests in Peter. I don't know. So me, it's like at first I'm super enthusiastic about a campaign. And then it comes to a point where it starts to feel like a chore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the bit, that's what I sort of would say is, for me, GM burnout. When I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to it, it feels like I'm, it's, it feels like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that happens, oh, it takes a while for that to happen for me in a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does start to happen in most campaigns I run. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not yet found a amazing solution to it other than to power through it. And usually I get the mojo back. Mm. but I end up having to go through that dip mm. and I'd be interested if people knew of any other ways to approach that because that dip isn't that much fun. No. Peter? No. For me at least. What about you? How do you define it first of all like when we're talking about GM mm. burnout? Well generally like when uh, I think there are different grades of GM burnout because there's like GM burnout where you're just done with role playing. Oh right okay. You don't want so to I've never had that. Yeah I've never had that. Mm. Never had that so I have had it with live action role playing. I was just mm. done. Yeah. Didn't want to do it anymore. Not for me. I'm mm. just fed up. Definitely had it for games. Uh, TTRPG has managed to elude me so far. Uh, game design, I've definitely approached it a couple of times, but been able to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, that's work, so it's a little different. So I kind of have to do it whether I approach it or not, because that's my job. Yeah. But, yeah, sure. But, I mean. But yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. You can literally, if you go and ask pretty much any advice, they will, an RPG forum will say, just homebrew it yourself. And I am a big fan of homebrew and hacking, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some mm-hmm. clues out there. But still, you don't, you don't necessarily want to have to do everything yourself. So, you know, I think you can get burnout on the hobby. You can get mm-hmm. burnout on a system. You can get burnt out on a game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, and potentially also on design, although I'm not sure if that would be, or, or possibly potentially on the act of GMing, but not necessarily on playing. Yeah. So I would, yeah. Th- these are distinctions that I would make because there are different things one would do mm. accordingly. Like if you are burnt out on the hobby, you kind of need to take a break, but that can be super difficult, super mm. difficult because. It's like it can be people's social 
means like for me it's yeah. sort of that as well, social yeah, output yeah. 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 yeah I think yeah I think for a lot of people as well there's the social pressure if you're a GM to yeah. keep running as well because you're yeah. kind of managing this whole thing so you feel like say some people don't feel comfortable saying no I need a break from it because they're like oh I'm gonna let people down and I'm gonna mm. but I, mm. I think the risk you mm. run with going through that is that if you're not having fun the table will kind of it's, be able the to game tell stops being and fun. then everyone's yeah. not having yeah. fun and it so yeah, yeah, it can become an issue with that. But um Yeah, because I'm a firm believer that for a good game the GM has to be enjoying himself. Because yeah. if they're not, it's I don't think it's gonna be a good game. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um another thing with like you say, Sochi, a lot of people, their gaming group is their friendship group. And so and, and also sometimes the gaming group that you you know, if you're doing a long term campaign, they become a big part of your social group. And if you stop doing that, there's the fear that, oh, will we keep hanging out? Well, I, mm. you know, so I, I totally yeah. get why some people are feeling they're not enjoying a game, but want to carry on doing it because there's that huge social yeah, yeah. pressure, either that you want to not say no or that you fear that actually, if I'm not providing the service as a GM, are we just going to hang out? So, yeah. yeah. So I think for, for me, it's kind of, if I am running a campaign, I will feel bad if I don't finish it. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I know it's an adventure that has a start and an end, to publish, I'm using a published campaign as an example. Yeah. And I know it's got a start and an end. If we don't make it to the end, I will feel bad about that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it'll feel like, well, what was the point of even starting then? You know? Um, but that's just how I view me and the way I view attempting a task. Mm-hmm. I feel bad if I don't complete it. Mm. And also that just kind of, I don't know. So I do, I do tend to plow through. I do tend to keep going and get to the end. Yeah. Might not necessarily be the right decision, yeah. but it is what I tend to do. Yeah. I think, yeah. I know what you mean. I see, I understand the temptation, but I think sometimes it's kind of um, yeah, it can get worse and worse if you're really feeling really burnt out from it and not enjoying it, and it could end up being mm. a bad game where nobody's having fun and it's doing it for the sake of ticking the box of we did it. Yeah, it's a bit... but then of course you you run into the problem that you end up doing that with every campaign it, and no campaign ends. Yeah. And it depends. I hate the idea of that too. Yeah, it just depends upon what is causing you to dislike the campaign. Yeah, like. Um, if you're bored with your own storytelling or you're bored with the campaign, then I don't know, you've got things like you can bring out the deck of many things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you could say, huh, interesting, interesting. Well, let's see, roll some dice. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. yeah. As you look up, as the fleet of a lifted mind flare Kraken warships darkens the skies. And <laughs> uh, that could also. Bring a campaign to an end. Right? Very quick end, yeah. Yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, it all depends. Um, I mean, like, but it's certainly like throwing in something unexpected because you're bored of how the story's going and you just want it to be more interesting. Mm-hmm. Players do yeah. it all the time, but they have, like, less authorial agency to mm. press large red buttons. Unless mm. you give them a large red button and say, oh, you should press this. Is there a, a grass is always ge- greener aspect as well? Sometimes I'll be in the middle of a campaign and I'll be thinking, oh yeah, but like a, a Ghostbusters campaign right now would be such fun. Mm. You yeah. know, or, 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 oh, I'd like to do some space stuff. No, do you know what I mean? And yeah. There's this grass yeah. is always greener kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And then you go and do that campaign, you start to feel the same way about that one after yeah. three months, you know, so. Yeah, like if you're running, I know, you're in D&D, oh, nah, listen to me. I need to break from this. I need to break because you switch to Ghostbusters. Like, oh, this is fun. This is fun. But mm-hmm. oh, and before you get to the end of it, you switch over to Savage Worlds and then you switch mm. over to Pathfinder. And you're having a great time in each of these initially. And then you're like, oh, I should probably switch back to the 5e campaign. You switch back to that. And it is entirely possible. I'm going to say likely that your players don't actually remember. 
mm. what's happened. Yeah. Because, like, for a lot of GMs, right, GMs love stories. Like, that is one of the things. If you, if you don't love stories and you're a GM, I would actually genuinely like to meet you. Like, because, like, I, I would love to hear more about your experiences. Because that is just wild to me, that you could not love stories and want to take on the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, it is labour. It is labour of being a GM. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't love stories... Like, I, I, I love being a GM mm-hmm. because I love watching the emergent stories unfold. Like, the characters developing in real time. Yeah. Like, the bonds forming, like, the social group, the, the mm-hmm. cohesion, and as they go on. And, like, you know, I mean, for me, that's fascinating. I love that. That is amazing. Um, I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. I um, also like observing humans in their natural habitats. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a mix of good Educational. Fun. Um, <laughs> In, uh, a, in uh, a David Attenborough kind of way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you know they do all sorts of creative things? They, Some of them even sing for fun. Yes. And <laughs> genuinely how I feel. Um, mm. It's mm. it's interesting, like you say, because you, you can have burnout because you're not enjoying your campaign or it's gone in a different direction. And I think mm. uh, maybe it could be that the, the vibe or the tone you picked isn't working for you and you thought it would. Or maybe the mm. table has taken it in a different direction than you thought and that's why it's not working. Yeah. I think one way to solve that can be through, as Jess is always going to say, direct, clear communication. I think sometimes yeah, yeah. if you just sit down with your table and like, hey, folks, I know we're doing the game like this. But I think if you're doing that and you want to change shift, you have to be really specific with your feedback about what isn't working and the direction yeah. you're proposing it going afterwards to get buy-in from the table, just to mm. make sure that the table knows which direction yeah. it's going with. On. There is another solution that occurs oh, yeah. to me. Mm. Have seasons. Think a bit like a TV yeah. series. Mm-hmm. So say, right, we're going to do a season of two months of gaming mm-hmm. of this, and then we're going to play something else and then come back to it. And you sort of agree in advance, this is how you're going to do it. Um, or even maybe not even something you'll come back to, just like uh, lots of short campaigns. Just, you know, change it up every two months and agree in advance, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. That could kind of maybe nifty sidestep the burnout ever happening maybe i don't know if it would work or not but it occurs to me it could be worth trying that's yeah. similar to what a lot of gaming clubs do i know the bournemouth berserkers does that the one in bournemouth local to me they have like they do a campaign that's going to run two or three months and then it's mm. that's that and some people have chosen to roll on the campaign and do another slot session but there's no yeah. guarantee of that so it yeah yeah that's because that's kind of an organisational thing, yes. though, isn't it? Because you've got a whole bunch of people turning up and not turning up, and people wanted to play different things and stuff. But you could... As opposed to sort of like six people who play the same game every week. Oh, well, at Bournemouth Berserkers, the six people play the same, so you commit to playing that game for the two, three months. Yeah, no, yeah. but I mean, like, forever. Oh, I mean, forever. It's not, it's oh, not yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, right. yeah, of course, yeah. It's not like your own home game group and things, but you could apply yeah, yeah, that yeah. principle in the same way Yeah. for the structure. Yeah, I, I think there's almost sort of like a psychic treadmill that sort of mm-hmm. pops up um as in you know because you keep on talking about forever as we as we all know nothing lasts forever mm-hmm. things do things not can even happen. the universe oh Apparently. the inevitable heat death of the universe let's not talk about that here <laughs> yep okay uh yeah so like uh games will come to an end uh and there's various ways games can come to an end either they reach the end of the story which is like some would say an ideal state mm-hmm. or they fall apart due to scheduling or some other, like, you know, players aren't available, moving away, people mm-hmm. have busy lives. Mm-hmm. So, or, like, the GM is just like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And each of these, like, has a distinct problem. So, yeah, like, 
I, I am a big fan of stories finishing and GMs not feeling like I've got to do this every day for the rest of time. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, like at Southampton Guild of Role Players, that's why I put in seasons when I could originally because mm. we had way more people and way more GMs. So, like, just to help keep things going along because a lot of a lot of games that aren't D&D or Pathfinder do tend to have shorter runs. Yeah. Mm. Like, six weeks... 12 weeks, fine. And you oh, six, to... weeks. six weeks, I find, is a great run for a sort of short campaign. Yeah. That's... I mean, some people yeah. can't fit a game into six weeks to save their lives. It's just mm. literally not possible for them. Uh, but that, 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 but I'm like, well, you know, it's it's a skill. I mean, yeah. we, we've run for like, the, so basically, just to give you an idea, that's like seven till ten, so that's three hours, so that's 18 hours of gameplay. Hmm. Uh, and I think it's entirely possible to do well, for, a well, finished for a story games, in that time. Maybe, maybe not for a really he- rules-heavy game, but for most games, that's plenty of time to l- kind of learn the game as you go, kind of get into it, yeah. and then finish a story. And then it's just it's just like enough time to do that. And then you hmm. come back to that game again maybe later and play something else using that system. But you've then learned that system as yeah. well, which is another little bow on your strings so you can switch and do other things yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I was saying, I mean, you know, like, it's six weeks, which is a substantial amount of time. It is 18 hours. Mm. I mean, maybe eight weeks might be better in some respects, because that's, like, essentially two months, and that's 24 hours, mm. which is, you know, the same length of time as an American TV series. Yeah. Mm. I just went with six weeks, because I'm used to the British TV model of you get six episodes. That's your lot, mate. Go on. Be grateful. You can do six, then you can do another six, can't you? I mean, yeah, well, like, exactly. You can yeah. renew. You can renew yeah. things and so yeah. forth. And the reason, but that was good because it gave people the chance to swap over. Mm. Because sometimes, sometimes, like, not everyone gets along, and you can have people who you've got nothing against, like, they're lovely people, but every time they walk in the door, your heart goes, ooh. They make mm. your heart sink. Yeah. Or the game just might not be to your style. You thought you'd give it a try. Yeah. Because, you know, it's something different. It's a different game. Mm. I want to expand my horizons a little bit. Yeah. Okay, I'll give this one a try. And then after a couple of weeks, think, ah, not really into this system. I, I don't really like it that much. Yeah. But uh, a six-week thing, I'd probably play it for the six weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, then, and then do something else. So that's cool. that's a good point about avoiding burnout is to do shorter runs. And that is what I'm planning on doing as a new GM. Because I think as a new mm. GM, running yeah. a game is a lot more overwhelming because you haven't built up yes. those those tools it's all new to you so a lot of things aren't automatic and so that's why i thought for me that's why i started this year with just one shot so i can do one Mm. session Mm. i can get feedback on it oh i have done one short six-week campaign as well uh Mm. and i learned things from that like my pacing on that i wasn't pleased with because i got the end came too quick i kind of realized yes oh no like and things and with scheduling yeah and with scheduling with the group i wasn't able to add another session because of life things but yeah. yeah and so my thoughts is exactly what I'm planning to do next year. I'm planning on doing some little campaigns, but I'm only going to do like short six to eight week ones just so I can make sure I have time to do that. Mm. Also with all the other stuff going on in my life. Because I think Mm. we talked about being burnt out with the game because we're not happy with the game for whatever reason. Like, Mm. you know, maybe the system or the setting's not vibing or the table's not right or whatever. But having an end in sight is also psychologically, I feel, a help. If Mm. if it kind of feels like it stretches on endlessly in front of you, I think you're more likely to get that burnout feeling when you think, well, it's another three weeks. Okay, fine. Yeah. I think, like, certainly for me at least, Mm. psychologically, that's easier Mm. because the end is insane. It's like a car journey, a really boring car journey. But if you know it's only another half hour, it's fine. But if you don't know whether it's another half hour or another three hours, then it feels worse. Yeah. 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 
absolutely one thing i think is important to talk about with gms the burnout though is this is a hobby that we do for fun but we do yes. all have real lives and sometimes real yes. life things will happen that make you feel burnout as a result of that because maybe something i mean anything you can think of that's big going on in your life that stresses you out a bit can mm. bleed into your game a bit and i think if that's and i think that's really difficult when that happens because for a lot of people gaming is their escape and their fun thing so you would think mm. oh i'm having a very stressful time doing my fun hobby would be a good thing to do but i think sometimes for some people running a game when they're in that place just becomes another chore yeah. stress and burden so i think when that's yeah. going on just saying to your players hey i'm gonna have a little break for running for a bit or something and usually yeah. all the tables i've had that happen on someone at the table's gone mm. oh do you know i've wanted to try something i've got like a mm. little one shot that could do for two or three sessions why don't i bring that along next week yeah. And then if you're, as the GM, you could just come along as a player. So you still get to kind of hang out and, you know, yeah. do your social fun hobby as a stress relief, but you're not needing to perform hmm. and have it be a stress thing. On sure, you. yeah. So I'd say that's... Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if, mm. and this is only a half-thorn thought that's just occurred to me, so there may be nothing to it. I wonder if D&D itself maybe contributes to that, and that A, it's the most popular game, mm-hmm. but B, it's also quite a rules-heavy game. Yeah. So when you you're more likely to be playing D and D than something else, and it would have taken you a bit more effort to learn the rules, mm-hmm. which therefore discourages you from trying another game, yeah. which therefore means there's more chance that perhaps you might get burnt out because you're not doing. I don't know. That may be nonsense. I don't know. It just kind of I, I think occurred to me. You a bit. can get burnout from using certain systems and things because I think different yeah. systems are easier to run for some people depending on others, and it it depends on how complex the system is and also the GM's preference because because all the obvious reasons so like for me yeah. i don't run very rules heavy systems just because i know that would stress mm. me out because i don't yeah. i don't know all the rules and i like to know yeah. all the things before i run it mm. whereas if i do uh, a more rules light system i can mm. know what i know where i am with that and also for my players it's not stressful to be like hey here's the system we're playing here's a summary of the rules on one page that's all you need to mm. know and if you don't know what you're doing that's fine just tell me what you want to do and i'll tell you what to roll um mm. yeah yeah I, I mean, that is interesting. Uh, I'm afraid that, like, I run the risk of annoying our listeners because, like, my, my personal experience, like, um, I'm running a level up game, mm-hmm. doing it on Wednesday, and I had an extra player turn up. So I'd gone from having four players to seven players. Oh, wow. That's, which a, is... that's a big jump. You've all... <laughs> okay. An extra three players. I thought you said an extra player, like one, but three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I basically had two players who were, like, off. One was ill. One had been travelling, doing stuff. Right. Um, one had been away. I don't know what they'd been doing, to be honest. But, but sure. Like... Yeah, doing things. But they've been away. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like the number's been like three, four, three, four, three, four, and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, okay. So it's like, um, and that's where a lot of displayed work I've been doing has paid off. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. I had a pre-gen. So, I can pre- so like, you know, like, oh, shall I just make a captain? I'm like, well, you, you can make a 50. Because ne- this new player had obviously never played level up before because I never run it for him. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, okay, well, here's a bunch of pre-gens. I'm afraid you'll have to level them up. And they had their phones. They could, like, look on the website. So, they were mm-hmm. tuning away with that. And then we got people started. We did introductions around the table. And I just ran the stuff that I had planned, and you know, like social doesn't really need anything. Mm-hmm. Exploration mm. doesn't really need anything. A journey doesn't really need anything. Um, and I had to call a quick break because I need to go around and you know shake people down for money to help pay for this club space that we're mm-hmm. using. And um, whilst I'm doing that, I'm on my phone, pop onto the website, and just check the rules for 
I now have seven players as opposed to six. How 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 many monsters do I need to put in this encounter? What 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 can I get away with? Mm. And like it was just really good because like I have and I'm capable of of just saying yeah, tell with it. Yeah. And just grabbing yeah. a handful of tokens, throwing them onto the board, and saying, That looks like sufficient. Yeah, let's let's have at it. Let the chips then, fall where they may. The tokens fall where they may. Pretty much. Well, I was actually using a combination of stones, <laughs> dice, and um, like little things because I had to. I had like twenty-four axe beaks mm-hmm. going up against um, what's it? Seven players, which mm. isn't like wild, but it's like it's the horde rule. So yeah. that that was what. Yeah, and it was like using the advice from the hordes. I was able to use that on the fly, but it literally stood in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. I'm on my phone in the stairwell, going, "Okay, uh, uh, okay, so that's my maximum." What? Okay, best check the hall rules. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 28 is the ma- is the 28 over 2, 14. 14 is the maximum stuff I can. Mm-hmm. They're tier 1, so I have to double the CR jacks because that's half. So that's going to be 28. Yeah. And that's literally my process. And I'm like, okay, so there's 8. Got to roll, got the players to roll for initiative. And I'm like, so I'll just uh, put out three ways of 8 axe beats. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to be how they roll. They're not, I'm not going to roll initiative because I cannot be bothered yeah. with that. I'm not going to roll 24 separate initiatives. That is not happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then it just like it played out how I expected it to play out, mm-hmm. and I just compare that with previous games of D and D I've run. Like my first campaign of Fifth Edition, I lost patience with what I was supposed to be balancing it because, I, to this day, right, I, I don't think I'm particularly stupid, but I cannot make sense of the DMG and its guides on how to like balance encounters. I like I've read it so many times, and it goes yeah. in one ear, out the other. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything to mm-hmm. me. So that's when I got my habit of just throwing stuff onto the board and I'll sort out the hit points with the players not looking. But here, it's like just the just like the difference in stress was immense. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I I, I, I know that that I, I trust this process. This process works for me. I'm gonna have faith. We're gonna see how it works. And it works fine. Yeah. I think And with without that sort of system in place I would have been much more stressed. Mm. I would have had a much worse time because I would have just had that constant worry in the back of my head, this is not working. This yeah. isn't going to work. This yeah. isn't going to work. I'm going to kill them all. It's going to be a TPK. It will be all my fault. I will have ruined my own game. Yeah. And if you don't have that naggy voice in the back of your head, fair play to you. Well yeah. done. Um, I I've, I have it, but certainly being able to say, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah. I've got the system. The system's in place. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really great example. Kind of what mm. I was saying is if you as a GM find the system mm. that works for you, and mm. reduces your stress and makes you yes. running easier. Now, it sounds like yeah. you have found that <laughs> for you. Yes. And um, other people, it'll be maybe be different things and stuff. But I think yeah. finding that as a GM and finding a system that makes your life easier just will reduce yeah. your chance of burnout. Because the less it feels like work and the less, you know, mm. it feels like you're having to be doing something, the yeah. better. Like the the, redu- the reduced prep time yeah. is a big, big change for me. Because I, I could have spent, mm-hmm. like... I don't know, three, four hours prepping for a three-hour game. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... Oh, same. Which, yeah, but it's like, that is ridiculous. For my hobby, I have to spend time equal to the fun part yeah. doing homework. I, I feel that bit as well. Unacceptable. When I prep for games, I generally am spending yeah. a similar amount of prep to the time running because I'm new and because mm. I'm... Yeah. You know, and I figure as time goes by, that will mm. be less and less because I'll yeah, yeah. I'll have, you know, short... Hey, what's this word? What's this word you're using? 
Well, because you've been Correct. running since 1804, you've had a lot of time to get used to things for us. But some of us... I think it's more laziness than anything else. Well, the thing is, well, I think laziness is just being well prepared and being, you know, ready to kind of do things on the fly. So I, I don't like the term laziness, but anyway. But so, yeah, so I think finding a system that works for you will reduce your stress because yeah. you're not it's working for you instead of against you and making your life easier yeah. another thing i i thought of with with burnout and i think i'm going to attribute mm. this a little bit to actual plays now first of all i love actual plays they're really great mm. but there is mm. sometimes a particular style of running a game that we see in actual you know actual plays and it's known as you know the matt yeah, mercer yeah. effect yeah. you see these voice actors yeah. and the way they run games with their characters and they do different voices and they have different th- you know and their stuff or you watch um like dimension 20 and there are these amazing props and things mm. going on and, and there's all this mm. stuff happening and i think some gms look at that and go oh i need to be doing that that's how you run a game mm. that's the level yeah. and then it can really stress you out because i don't know about yeah. you two but i'm not a professional voice actor <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like you're playing a k- kick around game of football with your friends and having great yeah. fun, and then you see on like TV. Letizia rocks up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you see on TV like um, like a, name, name two famous football clubs. I can't even think of any now. Um, Sports. Manchester United and someone um, having a proper professional game, and your game, yeah, and your game you doesn't look like that. Dress. That doesn't mean your game's not fun, does it? That doesn't mean your game's not good and valid and fun and you're enjoying it. And I I think, especially as well, if you as one person are trying to run a game to the standard as Critical Role, which is run by a team of people and Mm. lots of stuff going on, you're going to get burnt out real quick because that's Mm. just like you're you're one person. That's an unrealistic expectation that your games are going to have those same yes, levels yeah. of production values. And, and even things. if you are a voice actor, probably all of your players probably aren't. Yes. <laughs> you know, whereas we could call all of them yes. are. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a group thing. It's not just one person yeah. doing it. It's, so, well, so I'd say as a GM I mean, managing... We actually have yeah. a professional voice actor turn up at the Southampton Guild of Role Players. So that's, mm. oh. that, that oh. was quite fun. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah. Well. But, Ooh, but but one thing <laughs> with the point I was making about that is as a GM yeah. making sure you have realistic expectations for your game otherwise you know so you don't stress yourself out thinking you're having to do the game in a certain way like mm. you, you know comparing yourself to to things like that is you know you're just going to get stressed out and burnt out and mm. nobody needs that so I think that's another way to just kind of do yeah. that yeah but overall one of the things I, I was thinking with with if you are feeling burnout is to let your players know and step away from the game because this is a game, something we do for fun. And if it's yeah. not fun, then you don't need. Then then why then why are yeah. we doing this? Well, yeah. I think there's something else that's important to say is, gym burnout isn't unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's perfectly normal, and a lot of people feel yeah. it. So you know, if someone is out there feeling like this mm-hmm. or feeling like that or whatever, um, it's like they're not the only person in the world feeling like that. They shouldn't feel that. Yeah. You know, it's it's them. Yeah. It is quite a common thing and there's nothing you know there's nothing wrong with it it's just how it just happens to all of yeah. us you know so yeah and if it's just you know whether or not you put in sort of mechanism to cope with it or you decide how you're going to deal with it is is, is the thing i think yeah yeah so those are my thoughts on gm burnout hmm. but yeah okay have we uh have we covered this topic are we done have we solved solved the issue i don't think we solved the issue but i've given <laughs> We've ended GM burnout forever. There will never be GM burnout again. I feel I've given the best advice that I can give from my current yeah. seat. 
Yeah, and I've shared what experiences I have. So, yeah, so we've talked about burnout on a system and like nothing wrong with changing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding limited plays. We talked about like as I say, it's like I think often playgroup mm-hmm. can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like you know, um, if you've got a supportive playgroup. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Jessica, you've had some really supportive playgroups who've been really helpful. Yeah. Then that will make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've really discussed what's the issue feeling burnt out with tabletop role playing game as a hobby. Is that something mm. that we can talk about? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's, it's never happened to me though. I can't talk much about it, but I'm definitely. Hmm. You got any thoughts? Yeah. What are your, th- what are your thoughts, Peter? Open the um. Well, well, yeah. Like I said, it, it is probably one of the hardest ones to deal with. Hmm. Uh, uh, I think at that point you just have to take a break, don't you? I mean, yeah, you, yeah. I suppose you've got a choice there, yeah. and just hope, hope, hope that you get, 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 you know. I haven't. Yeah. The appeal returns at some point. I haven't had it with tabletop RPGs, but I, um, I've had it with board games because I Ooh. used to own a board game yeah. cafe, uh, yeah. and was quite into my board games for a long time. Hmm. And I had a group, and we met every Saturday to play board games, and we'd play from like eleven a.m. to like midnight, and sometimes wow. we'd be like. Shall we meet up again tomorrow? Is anyone free and play more board games? So it was like, mm. and there was a time in my life where I was doing that every weekend for like a couple of years, which is really good. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then hence opening the board game cafe. Like I get, I get very into my hobbies when I get into them. Yeah, yeah. And and then when that closed down, I was working in board games. Like I was working for uh, Alicat Games, uh, the board game mm. publisher. And I was working for Longpack Games, the board game manufacturer. So I was, mm. I, my whole life was board games. But then I went, I was, I felt completely burnt out for board games because I was, mm. it was my like hobby. I was playing it so much. And I was also, it was my like your professional hobby, your life. Your hobby, your social life. It was, it was everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, I don't really want to play as many board games. Maybe that's uh, one of the things to look out for mm. then. If you are, you know, make sure if you can, you have other outlets and as well as just the one that, thing. That was the thing. So and then I got more into tabletop RPGs. I was already playing uh, tabletop RPGs, but that became more of the, the mm. thing that I did. But and now, I mean, I mean, diversity. I'm playing a lot of games, and now I'm yeah. working in tabletop RPG. Oh, hang on, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, well, we'll just have to. We'll just have to play. Mm-hmm. How, how about we try on some card games? Well, I do have <laughs> other outlets as well. Yeah, but I do think the <laughs> thing is, is <laughs> if it becomes your whole. A big obsession. It becomes your personality. Yeah, sort I think of you can yeah. burn bright, mm. short flame type thing. Mm. And mm. it's so easy for tabletop games to become your whole personality. Like, trust me, I know. Like, yep. because I'm wearing a dice necklace, I'm sat with a wall of books behind me, and it's my full time job. <laughs> mm. But I and I, I don't feel burnt out from it now. But I think yeah. it's really I can, I can see how that would happen if it if you're running a game. And a lot of your time outside of your work or life commitments is running the game and, yeah. and playing it, and it's your whole social group around it. Yeah. I think it mm. definitely happen. But like you say, it is a hobby. It's yeah. something you do for fun. If it stops being fun, yeah. you can stop doing I, I it. Think, yeah, I think this is like maybe a problem that a lot of new GMs will face mm-hmm. because it's almost like uh, to feel to quell nerves, you have to prep more. Yes. Yeah, because sufficient preparation. This, yeah. But of course, then you've got like the additional stresses that people encounter nowadays. So really, you're looking for a system where you can do a relatively minimal amount of prep mm-hmm. and still feel prepared. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's ideally what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, so things like I mean, I I saw online someone was asking for advice from running a group. They said they didn't want to run pre-written modules because it felt like cheating. Oh, that's a what? Is- I. Uh, 
What a I, what I know, a, I'm like what a toxic opinion. <laughs> no, I don't think they mean it to be toxic. No, I, I don't think they mean it to be, but I think they yeah. pick that up from somewhere in the community yes. mm. and I think mm. that belief will have negative impacts. No, one hundred percent. I yeah. actually find pre written stuff harder to run anyway. No, that's true. Yeah. So. Like because you don't have complete authorial control. Mm-hmm. Well, also because you then do have to do homework. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to read the bloody thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think running a pre-written module is cheating at all. Like, I'm no. planning a lot of the campaigns I'm running, planning to run next year, are box sets, starter sets Ooh. from different hmm. systems. Yeah, and that's not cheating. That's just somebody who's a writer and is probably more creative and better at ideas than me has already come up with an awesome story. Yeah. I don't think that's a common opinion, though, is it? That that's cheating. That's uh, that's definitely an outlier. Um, I hope not. No. But I'm. I don't know. I've seen. It was one I had when I was starting really? RPGs. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. I I didn't want to play in existing settings. Also, like I still hold that opinion about having to do law for existing settings, mm-hmm. like having to well, learn it. Like, well, yeah, you. but I don't see it as cheating. I don't like doing it because I don't find law for most yeah. RPG settings compelling or interesting. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you know, I do have my sort of geek setting interests, like Star Trek and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. but. Most Star Trek stars. I, yeah, I, I was just about saying that is the way around it. If it's a TV show or a book mm. or a film that you already know and like, and the homework is fun. Yeah, mm. uh, but yeah. also you don't have to do it as much because you know the general world and setting, yeah. so that you don't have to do law things. Like and also, so do your players. Like mm. for example, my copy of The Walking Dead from the Kickstarter campaign arrived this week. Mm. I'm rewatching the show because I'm a nerd like that, and I'm yeah. probably going to run something in this next year. But for me, I don't feel like I've got to sit and do the law. One because. There are zombies in the world. Deal with it. Like that's yeah. kind of it. That's all you need to know. Um, yeah. But yeah. there is law stuff in here about the world because they weave other stuff in. But I, I know it because I've seen the TV show. So yeah, I think yeah. that's another way around it. Is if you yeah. are using an existing franchise or concept, and even if it's only vaguely, if if like you're into steampunk mm. stuff and there's a vaguely steampunk setting, you probably know enough of the key points about mm. it without mm. having to dig into mm. that specific world stuff. yeah you've got you've got conceptual hooks to hang off yeah i, mm. I, I mean it, it's basically like stuff like prepping your game is sort of a and prepping and running a game is sort of an active hobby mm-hmm. mm. so things like watching tv reading the books this is more of a passive hobby mm-hmm. but the passive hobby like you know if you're if you're if you're like the advice writers always give is read more yeah. And 100%, like, the more you read, the more, like, you're throwing stuff into your brain mm. and, like, topping it up. So don't forget, though, it's very basic Zelskare. Like, a lot of GMs, like, have, get, like, you know, not me, but certainly others, they read the law books. They're like, yeah, exciting. And they start running the games. And then they forget that they need to read more. Read mm. more stuff. Throw in stuff of your own creation. Or if you really love the law, go read more of the law books. Like, just throw that stuff in. Like, rather than just, like, being constantly prepping, Give yourself time to relax because then that lets like the parts of your brain that aren't in the forefront of your consciousness, it lets them bubble around, mess around, and then ideas just appear in your head almost fully formed. And you're like, oh, that's a good idea. I should totally do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking of stuff that made me cackle. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. like just that. Cackle. Cackle, yes. I do like it. But yeah, like, um, so I mean, sometimes things like painting miniatures can be right. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes just binge watching your favourite shows or just like going through or books which aren't in genre. Mm-hmm. That can be amazing. Like sometimes even just reading a non fiction book really I have based so many on the fly campaigns off of stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so many of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't matter if you rip an idea off the book, just as long as your players haven't read it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's the issue. When you run for a lot of your friends, if they have the same interests as you, they're like, oh, that's from this. I was like, damn. Because I had that yeah, with my idea. But then if it's a setting thing, like if you're playing, I don't know, Star Wars is like one of the biggest examples I can think of, because mm. pretty much anyone pretty much knows the basics of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It'd be unusual to have someone that is interested in RPGs and knows nothing about Star Wars, I think. Mm. It probably happens, but it's, yeah, sure it's unusual. So the so when you start running this game, everybody's pretty much going to know the setting. Mm. You don't have to explain what a stormtrooper is or a lightsaber or no. you know any of this stuff. They know it. They know they know what the Empire is. They know what yeah. they know it. You know, so you don't have to do all that work for them. Yeah, yeah. and it's in their head. It's like the visuals are in their head. It's like half your descriptive work's done for you. Yeah, but but you can you can mix this up and make it more interesting. Like mm. literally, Andor, which I'm going to say is probably my favourite Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah, I totally that's, say yeah. since, the, yeah. since the original three, uh, three movies. I do yeah. like Rogue yeah. One as well, though. But uh, I, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, Rogue One was pretty good. That's sort of like a war movie for Star mm. Wars, but this yeah. sort of like Cold War style espionage, yeah, in the Star Wars setting, like the like wildly exciting for me. I just don't even know how to explain it. I'm like, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like got a setting which, yeah, I don't know hugely well, but I've got that. And it's that mixing genres, really outside your genre. Fantastic idea because conve- using a convention outside of the genre can really spice up your game, especially if your players are not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Like, Dark Heresy was an amazing game because it mixed up this sort of undercover work with the world of 40k, which is basically. People sneaking around being spies mixed with the world where you get a giant ship, comes to a planet, sends down a slightly smaller ship, which launches out a tank, which runs across, which opens up a door, and a guy runs out and hits something with a sword, is a very valid form of play. That's a massive difference in subtlety, which, yeah, um, has a lot going for it. Well, I hope we've had enough inspiration and ideas, so if you are feeling burnt out, you have some options and things you can do. Yes. And also, if no one's told me, told you, permission to... To, to step away and, and not do it yeah. for a while or forever if you choose it'd be very sad yeah. but you know and also if you're feeling burnt out as a GM sometimes being a player can be a good solution as well and just yeah. letting you know still be involved but um, yeah. yeah if you are feeling that way do feel free to do something else and on that note I think we're done for the week Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I've got I've got an advent calendar as well. Sharon bought me an advent calendar. Oh, that's oh. nice. She's nice. I have... Because you a little bit of chocolate this morning. It was so yeah, nice. I have one that's like a... It's a bunch of stockings on like a line, so you fill them yourself each year. So that's 
I've got that up. Well, I've also got a, a diehard advent calendar, which arrived yes. in the post, and I didn't know where it had come from, because I certainly hadn't ordered it. Mm. And it's that one where you've got Nakatomi Plaza, the tower, mm. and then at the top there's a Hans Gruber, and it's got 24 floors, and each day you just move them down one floor. <laughs> That's funny, I like that. It is quite cool. And I don't know who it was, but then I thought, I think I probably know it's my brother. So I sent him a text message saying, did you send me a diehard? And he sent back a text message saying, yes, I did send you a diehard. So there we go. That's where it came from. There you go. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. 